Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg. Dr. Fagerberg is a professor of liturgical theology at the University of Notre Dame. He holds an M.A. from St. John's University, Collegeville, and an STM from Yale Divinity School, and a Ph.D. from Yale University. His books include Theological Prima, On Liturgical Asceticism, Consecrating the World, Liturgical Mysticism, and Liturgical Dogmatics. Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We get involved in church sometimes. That almost takes our focus off of Latria yes. because that worship of God, because now we've gotten so involved in the activities of the membership, quote unquote, membership of the church, that it takes over our life sometimes and the liturgy becomes a secondary. Latria, that has to come first and that has to be the most precious thing. That has to be the most important thing. It's uh, Kavanaugh's line again. I don't go to Mass because I'm Catholic. I'm Catholic because I go to Mass. Because mm-hmm. this is there, therefore I am who I am. And that's the you know, formative quality of ritual, which the uh, last two decades have discovered in its ritual studies material. You are the stories you tell. You are the symbols you perform. You are the rituals that you do. The reason for the one-tenth above the waterline ceremonial liturgy is so that it connects to the, it's a rehearsal. You live out in an extraordinary way what should be your basic posture of every moment of life. I was thinking of a flip side in what you said. Flip side, when I was a kid, uh, Cracker Jacks used to come with real prizes, not just pieces of paper. And one prize I remember getting was a little uh, round figure that had a picture of a man and plastic cover and there were two BBs and you're supposed to try to roll the BB into a hole in the man's eyes, make them sit there. Well, what was hard about that? Well, the um, man's face was concave or convex, I guess, whichever way you look at it. So as the BB rolled up one side, uh, it would go past the hole and roll down on the other side. To me, uh, that's an example of doing theology, trying to keep the BB (laughs) right on the top, but it doesn't. It always rolls to one side or another. That's why we keep having these uh, heated arguments. Well, you described the BB in one valley, the uh, church lady who's so engaged in church that she forgets to look up to find her Lord, but there's another valley, isn't there? Somebody who will send their kid to CCD, you take care of them, uh, I, I, I'm busy this week. I, I'll come for Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. I could wish that they would come and just start with the piano scales. Never mind that they're going to try to upset anything or go. Just start with the um, behavioral learning. Uh, find, come to where you will uh, find your uh, hunger being satisfied. So there's two extremes. Somebody uh, who's so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good, right? So liturgically-minded, they're of no mundane. But then there's uh, the person who 
moves along happily with no kind of reference to God until some kind of jerk on the string happens, right? Mm-hmm. Surely we are all tied to God in some way, and he lets the fish run. This is how he plays us. But now and again, he'll make a pull on the rod and set the hook. I don't know what that'll be for various people. Could be a joy, could be a sorrow, could be a kind of depression, could be an exceptional enthusiasm. I don't know how God sets the hook in each of our lives. But if you look back on your life, any one of us look back on our lives, we can, I think, find certain moments where that tug uh, on the string was made by God. I don't think we do enough with the doctrine of providence. We treat it as fortune-telling. We treat it as uh, predeterminism. Uh, but I think providence, somebody should write a book about providence. Even if Father Bob's homilies are just make your eyes roll backwards, in your mind, might yeah. be the lady right down on the other side of the pew just is enthralled by it. Whatever that might be, or the exterior, this is the brain spanking new church as opposed to the 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 poorer one down the street that still has carpet in it. Those things are all important, sure, but more important than all of that, the call to come to worship, to offer that, and to be, to stand, no matter what. Your uh, example reminds me that even those who speak most loudly about full conscious and active participation tend to omit the homily. They're not thinking of the homily at that point. Mm-hmm. those who want you to be most active accept the idea that I should be passive during the homily. And therefore, Father Joe didn't do his job for me. Well, wait, what was my job during that homily? What activity should I have been doing in order to take that piece of scripture and that articulation and apply it to myself? To say that I don't get anything out of it is saying like I've, uh, I go to the uh, fitness gym, and I put up my folding chair and watch them. Mm-hmm. The the homily is an active moment as well. Another idea that you stirred, Schmemann says that the first liturgical act is to get out of bed and go. Before the opening prayer, before the organist hits the first note, which you wouldn't do in an Orthodox church, but I'm, uh, I'm drawing it, the first liturgical act is to get up and go. One is making a symbol. Symbolizing what? Symbolizing heaven. Heaven is a populous place. People haven't been absorbed, nor are they disorganized and disconnected. So scripture images of heaven is a population that is organized in a unity. Cities, armies, choirs. The first liturgical act is to get up and go because God's just crazy about incarnation. He didn't just do it once. It's his modus operandi. He still enfleshes himself. And that means in the mystical body, the other people in the pew. That means in the ordained minister. That means in the elements of the sacraments. It means uniquely, truly, substantially, really, in the uh, bread and wine, the body and blood, he enfleshes himself. The uh, incarnation is perpetuated in some way. It's prolonged. Well, why? Why would God do that? Why would he care about any such thing? 
and trying to be relevant, which is always dangerous for an old man to do. I suggest to my students, it's the difference between getting married and having sex or getting married, living in two different towns and tweeting to each other. Why would God not be satisfied to just give us a scripture? I don't know. He's not satisfied to just tweet to his spouse. Having a good time here. How is it there? We'd like to move in together. We'd like to live together. We'd like to have embodied contact with each other. So the Catholic sacramental life is not just an audiovisual aid. Here's the message. Oh, if I could understand the message, do I need the church? All right, I'll just sit home with my own Bible. It's not just an audiovisual aid. The Eucharist isn't a flannel graph story like, here came Jesus to Jerusalem, and now it's uh, the sacrifice of Calvary present again in an unbloody manner. The bloody sacrifice is now the same sacrifice, but present in an unbloody way. There's a connection to all of this um, humanity of Jesus. The sacraments come from the humanity of Jesus, the hypostatic union in the divine and human. So, you want to do liturgy? Get out of bed and come. I hope that that's startled some people during this um, isolation in the COVID crisis. Elizabeth and I set up the iPad during uh, COVID and watched the streaming. And I know that the uh, prayer of Liguori about spiritual communion mm-hmm. counts and that uh, there is spiritual communion, but it's not the same as being in the flesh. It's not the same as just receiving tweets from God. He hasn't given us a tweet account. He's given us his body, the church. Chesterton puts it, Christ did not come to found another religion. The ancient world had its belly full of them. He came to found the church. The church is not just a message center, and it's not just another religion, religion being how we try to tie ourselves to God. It's the presence of God. It's the incarnation. It's the mystical body. It's his church. So I think that the definition of liturgy is tied to an ecclesiology. That was part of my conversion process. I was to the Catholic Church. I was studying liturgy. I blinked, and I realized I was looking at an ecclesiology. You know those uh, optical illusions where if you look on black and white, you see a vase, but if you look at white on black and you see two faces staring at each other. I was examining the interior contours of liturgy, and when I blinked, I saw the exterior contours of an ecclesiology, and I had to uh, knock on the door of the Catholic Church. To swim is a verb. Swimmer is a noun. Liturgy is a verb. It's made up with the word ergia. There's activity here. Liturgy is a verb. Church is the noun. So in talking about liturgical theology. I'm actually talking about a liturgical ecclesiology, which has to do with our life in Christ, which has to do with spirituality, which has a cost, and that's asceticism, and here we go. For me, uh, liturgical theology is like a black hole in space. It sucks everything in, and nothing gets back out again. I think there's a liturgical cosmology. What's matter for? It's raw material for Eucharist. It's to be theophany and uh, 
there's a liturgical anthropology. What is man and woman? Shmeiman says they are cosmic priest homo adorans. Homo sapiens, yes, they have a kind of wisdom. Homo faber, yes, they can manufacture and make things. But first of all, homo adorans. Adam and Eve were created as cosmic priests. What's sin? Harmatiology, liturgical doctrine of sin. The fall was a forfeiture of our liturgical career. We replace the object of our latria with idols, with idolones. We've already done liturgical history, liturgical Christology. How do you understand Christ but the uh, founding liturgist of the church, drawing us into his liturgy? Liturgical ecclesiology, liturgical, well, etc., etc. So uh, my next project, I should just slip in this commercial message. I wondered if one couldn't go through as many dogmas as I could think of and examine them from this liturgical viewpoint. Coming from Ignatius Press is a book I've titled Liturgical Dogmatics. I'm, and there's uh, short chapters and about 25, I've forgotten, it's, I've gone back to look at it. But these various dogmas examined from a liturgical point of view. We'll return to Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fackerberg in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. 
please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg. Well, it's interesting because dogma is filled with words. And the word became flesh. And even as we were speaking of the liturgy and the Eucharist and the celebration of the Eucharist that begins, as you said, when you get up out of the bed, you're drawn towards the presence. And the presence of Christ in the Eucharist is not just the Blessed Sacrament, but when you even just think of it, you can bring it down to the, even the smallest of the wafers or even the smallest pieces of bread that Cardinal Nguyen, when he was trapped in the prison and he was, yeah. he's fully present. It's not a piece of Christ or a piece of God. It's his full presence. And then when you expand on that, Everything that's happening within that is the church has taught. He's fully present in the word. He's fully present in the people. It is of the full theophany of every heaven is present. It pulls us into all of that. That's the mind-blowing. It's a grace exploding. It's, a, it's an incredible, it's not even just an experience. It's a reality that, how does it pass by our door? It sounds like you think God plans to be fully, actively, and consciously present yeah. in liturgy. Ah. Ah. That's his presence from above. Mm-hmm. What should I do in response? Maybe I should be fully, actively, full, active, conscious response to his presence. Mm. That would be a nice mm, filling out of the idea of participation. Because participation doesn't mean activity that I generate. Participation is my response to his presence. He's full, active, consciously present. I'm full, actively, consciously responding. The uh, Greek word for that is synergy. S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. And uh, S-Y-N means together. Ergia means an energy or an activity, a work. Here's uh, two examples One of them is synergy, one of them is not synergy. Mom is coming, the apartment is a mess, you clean up that room, I'll clean up this room. Together, they cleaned up the apartment. Mm. Second example, in order to have fire, you must have matter, spark, and oxygen. They have to operate together. The first example is just two people doing uh, doing an activity at the same time. In the second example, the one makes possible the other, makes it uh, occur. Well, synergy is that second example. It's co-operatio, co-operate, synergy. God's graces and we faith. God energizes and we synergize. He uh, takes the lead in the ballroom dancing and we follow, we cooperate. Well, that leads me to suppose that it's not a matter of laity cooperating with the clergy. Rather, laity and clergy should cooperate the liturgy. Mm. I made a little 
neologistic pun there. It's not cooperate with, it's cooperate. Because I have my duties, my responsibilities as a baptized member of the body of Christ arising from my royal priesthood, I have a liturgy to perform there in the pew. Father Brown has his liturgy to perform, and some of it arises from his baptism, but at the moment it arises from his ordination. He and I cooperate this liturgy which is occurring at this moment. And in our liturgy, the human liturgy, the liturgy of the church, it is a cooperation with the full active and conscious presence of God. He makes himself present. We make this response. Synergy is our response. The unorthodox theologian defines synergy as two things that are unequal in value, but equal in necessity. God's grace is more valuable than my response, my faith. But my faith isn't necessary. They're equal in necessity, but they're unequal in value or importance or significance. So uh, liturgy is a synergistic activity. It's a responsiveness. Do you want to talk about days of obligation? All right, it's our responsibility. We've been given an ability to respond. That's a responsibility is who should be taking care of this? Oh, it's not my responsibility. I can't do anything to respond to that problem. Well, this is my responsibility. I have an ability to do something for this poor person, to do something for that person. Well, I have a responsibility to give Latria, to praise God. Liturgy is a responsibility. I'm obliged to God for all the graces he's given me. Hat tip to God. I'm obliged. I'm obligated. I'm, I'm obliged to Elizabeth in my marriage. I have obligations in my marriage. Why do we shy away from those words? This is my duty. I'm created to be a full act of conscious liturgist. Kevin on the line uh, saying, you should not see a, a minister in the liturgy. He's talking about ministers, but I'm going to apply it also to laity. You should not see a minister do anything in the liturgy that you don't see him do every day. What? What? You're carrying incense pots through Walmart? You're supposed to be uh, uh, dressed in your vestments? Mm. The liturgy you do should be a liturgy you do every day. So the distinction isn't between doing it or not doing it. The distinction is between a ceremonial, cultic, sacramental, public, I guess those are enough words, way of doing what I do personally faith, hope, and love, etc. Yeah, this connection between one or the other. I think you answered the question, why? Then we just have uh, how, when, who, where. Yeah, we got a few more, a couple more questions. Why is the more? We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Fagerberg in our next episode. You've been listening to Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission 
And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg.